0: started. Hello to everyone listening in. This is the Do Jiu Jitsu podcast where we talk to great individuals from all sorts of backgrounds that have one thing in common and that is that they do Jiu Jitsu. My name is Jay and I'm your host and today is podcast number 6. We have Professor Mikey. He is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, has fought and trained all over the world and now is the founder and owner of Black Gold Jiu Jitsu in Spruce Grove, Alberta. So We're about to have a really, really fun podcast. Thanks for coming in, Mikey.
1: What's up? Let's do (laughs) jujitsu. Awesome, man. Awesome.
0: So first of all, uh, Professor Mikey, tell us about your um, jujitsu story. How did you get started?
1: So really kind of like how I started was just like interest through MMA. You know, I was kind of, I had a lot of interest in like the big explosion of UFC and mixed Uh martial arts um you know kind of when everything really really picked up and i was just a young young kid and was super super interested in it and um there was just one thing in common with like all the best fighters in the world was they were all uh jiu-jitsu black belts so (laughs) i knew it was something that like i was like oh i gotta i gotta go check this out so um really i was like my interest in mixed martial arts that kind of uh directed me to my path down brazilian jiu-jitsu
0: I see. I see. Um, Do you uh, remember how it felt to uh, start something new like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu?
1: Yeah, I can remember like when I first started training, like I said, I was really interested in mixed martial arts. So I kind of like did a lot of different types of classes where sometimes it was more like uh, submission grappling. And then I started wrestling in high school. Mm -hmm. And then I, uh, I so I kind of like started doing a bunch of little things that were kind of like brazilian jiu-jitsu but it wasn't real real brazilian jiu-jitsu yet you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i kind of like that's where i had like my first taste of like grappling and and all these other things and like we were learning submissions when i was doing some submission grappling but it just wasn't you know we weren't in the gi we weren't really it wasn't brazilian jiu-jitsu as far as i'm concerned but that was kind of like mm-hmm. my first taste and then when i started training uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu legitimately um, I remember it was just, it was just so fun. Like I, I started like, right. As I, I graduated high school a little early and I just mm. like dove, dove right in. I started training, I was training every single day and, uh, it was just so much fun to have like something to go do. Like as a young kid, like, you know, you, you don't really care that much about going to work that day or anything uh-huh. like that. Right. You don't have a crazy career or anything. So like, it was just felt so good to have something to go do and, you know, meet a bunch of people and, and uh, just kind of like build all those connections. I see. I see.
0: Yeah. So what, what do you think uh, made you commit to doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu long term? Uh, like it's, um you know, obviously a very long uh, path towards the black belt, right? It takes on average like 10 to 15 years to, uh, to get there. Uh Yeah. What, what was that? Um, What, what, what inspired you to do Jiu Jitsu for so long?
1: I think for me, like, a lot of my main motivation was um, competing. Like uh, when I first started, like I said, I was wrestling. I was I was competing in mm-hmm. wrestling. And then I started jujitsu. But I wasn't like, I wasn't all in on jujitsu yet. Like I, I was still very mm-hmm. much like, oh, I'm a MMA guy. You know, I'll train in the gi, but I'm an MMA guy, you know? and mm-hmm. uh, And then as I was starting to get ready to like, you know, hopefully take an MMA fight, anything like that, you know, my coaches were like, you should go, why don't you go do a couple of grappling tournaments? Why don't you go do some jujitsu tournaments? And I I flew down to um, California with uh, my Ah. professor, Ryan McGilvery. So yeah, first, first tournament, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go down to California with all the big dogs (laughs) down there and go compete. And, Mm. uh, Were were you still a white
0: belt at this point?
1: I was a blue belt already. Blue belt. Okay. In my opinion I got my blue belt too early but that's a different story. But <laughs> um but uh I went down there and I competed and I did not very well. Like I I lost my matches. Um mm-hmm. but it just kind of like lit a fire under me where I was like I really wanted to compete now because I was like it w- I lost but I could see that there was something there, you know? Like I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I, I can do this." And uh and it was right around the same time when a lot of changes were happening with um, instructors and structure and how we were doing things. And uh, and I just kind of, like, I want to compete against so Valley. So I remember I, I I flew home, and, like, the next weekend, I went and competed again. And, mm. uh, and I, I won a couple matches, lost a couple matches. Then I went and competed, like, a month later. And I beat some of the guys who previously beat me. And I just kind of, uh-huh. like it was just this land side effect where I kept like, you know, success breeding confidence, confidence breeding success. And I just kind of like snowballed down this path of like, I kept working harder, training harder, training smarter. And in turn, I seen a lot of success from it. And it just kind of like, because I was so committed to wanting to get better at competing, Mm -hmm. the the commitment to jujitsu was a prerequisite.
0: I see I see and you said uh, you said that uh, when you competed even though uh, in that first tournament that you've ever done you lost you saw that there's something there so it's a little bit different between um, you know with some people when they first compete right that actually discourages them uh, because they see that it's so tough that they lost their matches and what do you think was the difference with you and what was that thing that you saw?
1: Um, So Yeah, I I think that's pretty common as well. And, like, even as a coach and instructor now, I sometimes see that. And um, I think it has a lot to do with just kind of, like, let's say you you start jiu-jitsu and uh, you're going to go to a tournament with your team and you see some of these guys that you train with every day and they might have competed 10 times already, maybe even more. Maybe it's your professor and he's got, like, 10... 12 years of competing and he's traveled the world done all these things and you're looking at them and it's kind of like that classic little meme of the you know the iceberg with the little tip sticking out of the water yeah and that's what everyone sees and they don't see the rest it's very much Mm -hmm. like that where like i think people expect that like hey if you don't win this match that just means that you're not going to be very good at competing and you're always not going to be very good at competing because these guys that you Mm. train with, they're doing the same class as you, you know, maybe you stayed to do the same amount of roles during live training as them. How come, how come you didn't see the same success that they did? And I think Mm. it's just kind of like a self-reflection point when people spend too much time comparing themselves to, you know, Mm. other people instead of looking back on the work that they did and, and even you might have even trained properly, but but competing, um, mm-hmm. there's a game to it, right? Like there, there's a system and and a way to be successful in your matches. And mm-hmm. the only way you can really, really get better at that is by competing. Like even if you have a great coach who's a great competitor, unless you invite your whole family down on Wednesday and you know, they mm-hmm. bring a ref in and you invite your girlfriend and she comes to Mm. watch you. And then, and then you go and compete and said that like, even that it's not quite the same because you didn't have to pay your registration fee. You didn't maybe have to travel a couple hours. There's so much that goes into it that you can't replicate in the training room. And I think Mm. some people just get discouraged by that. For me, I think I just, I think I just wanted to have some success in something so badly. And I, I felt like I was like, I was just like right there. I was like, I know yeah. that this is something I could do. And then because I started competing again, like immediately after I was able to kind of see those, even just gradual improvements, even just like approaching the match better, like, uh, more appropriately, uh, mm-hmm. approaching it from a better standpoint, I was able to perform better in which case I felt success. And it just is that, like I said, that snowball, that trickle, I see that it works together.
0: Got it. Got it. So you've been um, you've been training and coaching um students uh, for a little while now, right? Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What were the What were the common character traits that you've seen uh, that develop uh, that students had to develop in order for them to succeed in jujitsu? Because ninety percent of uh, practitioners, like jujitsu white belts, uh, ninety percent of them quit at white belt, and then like the hardest phase again after that is like blue belt. Yeah. What are the character traits that you've seen?
1: that people have to develop to become more successful yeah. in jiu-jitsu like or to yeah to yeah make it a part of their lifestyle
0: uh-huh yeah to like exactly to um to get to blue belt or to overcome the blue belt blues as they say right
1: <laughs> yeah right yeah. I, man the blue belt blues i've never understood because man when i was a uh. blue belt it, it was so much fun the mm-hmm. every every tournament you had the biggest bracket they had the mo- most people to compete against. Like it was so much fun. Blue belt, blue belt was awesome. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. always kind of confused when I hear about the blue belt blues, but I think it's because I'm just one of those people who like, I love, I love jujitsu. I, I love mm-hmm. training. I love teaching. I love doing it. So lots of these times, like when it's like, Hey, what do you <laughs> think I need to do to be become more interested in jujitsu? Or what, what do you think uh-huh. I need to do to make myself commit to jujitsu? I'm like, Oh dude, I don't know, but I just signed up and I've, I hit the ground running, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I find the the most common things is once again that little bit of early success. It doesn't even mean that you got first place.
2: Mm. But
1: just a little, a little bit of success will make you feel like, hey, what I'm doing here is good. Because like even the stripe, like it feels good. Like let's say you're a white belt and you 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 get a stripe, second, maybe a three-stripe white belt. Um if you go and you like tell some people, some of your friends mm. that don't train, Hey, I'm a three stripe white belt. <laughs> you know, like to them, it doesn't really mean mm. anything Right? And to you. It means so much because, you know, it, it took those months of hard work and, you know, maybe there were some days that uh, it was difficult to make it to the gym, but you still made it like, you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more to it than just a piece of tape. But from the outside mm. looking in, you're like, well, it doesn't really seem that special. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think a little bit of early on success that can, that maybe you get praised by your peers, your family members, something like that, that can just kind of give you like that little bit of reassurance that what you're doing is becoming noticed. And that might come from your instructors. might come from your coaches. Maybe it comes from your girlfriend, your boyfriend, Mm -hmm. whoever it is, someone in your life that their opinion is important to you. Um, mm. just a little bit of praise from them on some of the successes you're having. Maybe, maybe you joined and you really wanted to lose weight and you start to see that happening, right? Mm. And just by losing that little bit of weight, you see like, oh, wait, wait, you know, there's something here, right? It's like mm-hmm. kind of You know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily do very well, but there's something there. I can see, it. you know, I didn't lose all the weight that I need to lose yet, but I lost a little bit. I can see where this is going to head. So I think just a little mm-hmm. early on success and a little bit of whether it's someone noticing that success, anything like that, you know, it's like getting a haircut and you walk outside <laughs> and someone says, Hey, that's a sharp haircut. You're like, Oh, okay. Thank God. You know, I was worried that it might be a smart haircut haircut.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kind of explains to the variety of people who succeed in jujitsu. Uh, they early on success because, um, I noticed these like, you know, like very athletic, like, Full of potential, like, you know, new white belts coming in and then they don't really even last a month. And uh, that might be because um, they're so used to uh, winning and, um, you know, like being great at all these other things that, you know, they get submitted by somebody uh, who they didn't expect to submit them they, you know, like they get that, you know, they, in, in a sense, they go back to hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, they don't, they kind of don't want to climb uh, climb that back up. But when somebody, you know, like, for example, for me, uh, when I joined, um, I was, um, I lost about 50 pounds in the first, like, first couple months that I was uh, doing jujitsu. And that was like the catalyst for me. I was like, wow, this this thing works? And, right. um, it got me to, um, it got me to commit. So, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because there's just so many different types of people that get through the belt stages and uh, get through all the way to uh to their black belt, and I guess it is that early on, like praise, uh, and yeah. success that you feel, right?
1: Yeah, and I like I have a big theory on that as well of like mm-hmm. just the different types of people because you know I thought this was going to be a later question, but we'll use it now anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know like you hear about like jujitsu for everyone right uh-huh. and and i understand the term and I, I like the term but i think it's kind of misconstrued like you know not mm. necessarily for everyone but for every type of person you know what i mean mm. like you go into a jiu-jitsu room it's not not everyone is there obviously there's a lot of people out that are not at jujitsu, right but mm-hmm. there's gonna be different types of people from all different walks of life that are kind of like all doing the same thing working together they're trying to get um to a higher level in their jujitsu right like they're kind of all working Mm. together for the same thing and they have sometimes they have nothing in common other than jujitsu whatsoever you know like they have totally different views on outlooks in the world and come from different backgrounds you know there's so many different things but but their their commonality is that they want to get better at jujitsu And so Mm -hmm. that's why it's kind of hard to be like, what is the character traits? Because if you go inside a jiu-jitsu room, you have everyone lined up in the beginning of class and you go down that line, let's say you ask every person where are they from or uh, what do they do for their career? Or, you know, X, Y, Z, there could be different questions. You're going to get so many different answers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard to say like, it's this person. It's never really this person. It's Mm -hmm. does that person want to do this other thing you know it kind of has to come from within them just like most things you it, you can never really like convince someone that they should do something they have to yeah. feel it for themselves they have to feel the benefits they have to feel the success and it has to be something that resonates with them
0: mm-hmm. i see i see yeah that's a very interesting uh point and very accurate i, can- <laughs> I think um, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> and, um so now that you've gone through all the uh, belt phases, can you describe like uh, from white belt all the way to black belt um like the diff- the differences between all of them?
1: Right, right. So I think at white belt, you know, it, it's such like a a quick roller coaster, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like um your progression is so high. Like every day you learn and you get better right? Like mm. even, even if the class might, like you might ask one of the purple belts or brown belts in the class, Hey, did you think it was a good class? And they're like, oh no, I I don't know what was going on today. It was not a good class. But for you as the white belt, man, even a, even a class that's not tremendous is still so much good information for you. Even if it's not mm-hmm. like perfectly or anything like that, like it's so, e- there's so much to learn that like, even just a little bit, a little bit every day, you you're getting so much better, but then you also go and you. So, like, you feel like you're getting better, but then you also go and you train with these people. And mm-hmm. you go and you train with a guy who's just like a blue belt, one stripe, you're a th- three stripe white belt. And he just like mops the floor with you, right? Like, he maybe uh-huh. has an easy time with you. And it's like, when I i feel like I don't know anything. So, like, white belt mm-hmm. is like such like a roller coaster like this, right? And I think that it's just learning that it might feel like that, but in the grand scheme, it's really going straight up, you know, like you're getting so much better every day, even if it feels like the same people are. they might even be submitting you more times because like, as you mm. get better at jiu-jitsu, you start to fall into little traps and stuff like that, that people can create for you. Mm. And, uh, so I think white belts, white belts, a bit of a roller coaster that you kind of just have to stamp your ticket and get on and ride the ride. You know what I mean? Like you, you uh-huh. can't like, you can't be on the roller coaster and be like, hey, I think I want to get off halfway through. You know, you kind of got to ride it out and then be like, hey, do I like roller coasters or do I not like the roller coaster mm. anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, as far as blue belt, blue belt's really interesting because you have the biggest, I would say like the biggest gap, like someone mm. who got the blue belt um, today versus the guy who's about to get his purple belt tomorrow. They're Mm. both blue belts, right? But the difference between the guy who just got his blue belt and the guy who is about to get his purple belt is so drastic. You know what I mean? Like blue belts, Mm. aside from black belt, it's a belt that you're supposed to kind of have for uh, longest period of time. And that's where the kind of blue belt blues comes from because you don't have that, um, the, the reminder of your successes. You don't get that belt as quickly. You don't get those stripes as often. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you have to like really persevere through the blue belt. Right. And, but, but you have the largest, probably the largest skill development in the colored belts, at least, you know, black belt, mm-hmm. it, It'd be kind of crazy because black belt can go for so long,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: like the biggest difference in your skill is likely going to happen at blue belt. Right. Yeah. By the time you get your purple, you're so much better than you were when you got your blue belt. Mm -hmm. So I think that one's really, really about perseverance, you know, just, you know, the white belts get on and and hang on and the blue belts Mm -hmm. like, Hey, like we just gotta, we just gotta hang, hang tight here. We gotta keep working, gotta persevere through this. Um, It's kind of, that's the difference between those two. And, and like I said, you just have so much development as far Uh as like purple belt, purple belt, I find is like, kind of where you start to um find your own you know what i mean Mm. like like a blue belt you're you're still like really learning from everyone like every type of person can give you tips all over the place different positions different submissions whatever different approaches to the game purple belt is where you kind of start to like decide like hey like this this is the way that i like to do this this is the Mm. way that that um i i like to pull guard you know i like to do the takedown like you kind of start to map out your own game a little bit right and then brown belt is where you're kind of like really refining that game that you kind of created during purple this is where you're like hey i know what i'm i I know what i'm talking about now when it comes to my game you know Mm -hmm. like when, when the stuff that i really worked on at purple at brown belt i'm kind of like i'm just Uh, hammering it down, strengthening it up and, and making sure that that part of my game is really tight. Now, when you get Mm -hmm. the black belt, what's often talked about is like, Oh, it's not the end. It's actually the beginning. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I think that's really true. I don't know if it was just like a timing thing for me because I got my black belt kind of like just before COVID. Right. Uh Um, I'd gone in 2019 uh, in the fall. And, then i kind of was you know competing i think i i just had an mma fight and then i was i was doing some competing i was doing some traveling then boom covid hit
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you know we all got sent home we all had to find new ways to train go underground do whatever yeah, do whatever yeah. it took to get your training in right i'm i'm lucky enough that i have training partners within my family um so i was able to train quite a bit maybe sneak a few people in the back door. Who knows? Uh (laughs) But um, for me, I found at that time, what I started to do was um, I really wanted to get good at the basics. And it seems so cliche. Like I said, everyone says, oh, it, it begins again. But I just, I started to think to myself, like, I think it was because I was, you know, in my mind, I wanted to open a school. I wanted to, I wanted to take that next step. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to be the guy who can do a baron bolo to everyone, but yeah. can't do a cross collar choke to anyone. You know, like I was mm. like, I, I, the, the basic techniques I was like, man, I want to get so good at the basics. I want to make sure that I can hit, you know, my close guard on bar on everybody. I don't have to do yeah. some, some reverse De La Worm guard. Uh, whatever. Yeah. You know, nothing against it, but I just, I was like, man, I want to make sure that the fundamentals are so strong so that when I go to teach them, I know what I'm talking about. You know, there's nothing worse than like the guy goes to do a cross-collar choke on the demo partner and he's explaining to the class how to do it. And he's like, okay, and now the guy's supposed to tap. And he's like, come on, you know, trying to get (laughs) the choke. And he's like, you're supposed to tap right now, man. Come on, tap out. Like, you know, I wanted my, I wanted my, uh, basics to become really really strong so that when Mm. it comes time to teaching or even just implementing those techniques i wanted them to be really legit so i think it's smart for a lot of black belts to do because like i said that purple belt is designing your own game kind of figuring out what you like to do brown belt is refining it and then black belt is going back and making sure that what you first learned at that white and blue those things that everyone told you hey this is what you got to You got to make sure you know how to do the pendulum sweep, you know, go back, Mm -hmm. make sure your pendulum sweep is, is tight. You know what I mean? Like make sure Mm -hmm. all those, all those fundamental techniques that work, there's a reason why they're called the fundamentals. You know what I mean? They're they're Mm -hmm. there for, because depending on all, all the body types, like they work kind of on everyone. As long as you do them properly, they work all the time. And yeah, and they should be the thing that you learn how to do first, which means they should be the thing that you're the best at.
0: <laughs> I see. I see. It seems as though that you're getting that uh, when you um, get to black belt, there's that shift in mind of actually, you know, it's cliche, but being a professor. So you're yeah. able to really teach uh, people who want to learn the basics and fundamentals and you can simplify it uh, so much where it's almost um. Yeah. It's like, it's hard not to learn it. I see. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and even I taught a lot as a purple belt and a brown belt, I was doing a mm-hmm. lot of instructing as well. And that's when I used to be like, Hey, you know, Okay. Flying triangles today. Okay. Rolling back takes. Okay. Like, you know, a lot of crazy flashy techniques. And it doesn't mean that those techniques don't work either. As long as you're doing them properly, just like every technique, that should work. But mm-hmm. it was like, because that was kind of my game. That was the fun stuff to do. And people like to see it. And then I got my black belt and people are expecting it to go like, you know, to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, no, let's go back. Let's do Let's do a cross collar choke. And people were like, what, who is this guy? Like, uh-huh. you know, what happened to the guy who was doing the rolling <laughs> spinning? Like, what, where did he go? And I was like, no, yeah. you know, you got, I, it's just like a shift in the mind. I was like, you know, you've got to make sure that you have these things down because, it's too yeah. embarrassing to like, I thought of it more as that. Like, not only do I want to make sure I can teach them really well, but I was like, it'd be so embarrassing. I thought of like some of my uh, really high up professors that taught me a lot along the way. I was like, man, could you imagine if they came and they see my cross collar <laughs> choke and it didn't work? That'd be so embarrassing. I was like, I got to make sure it's good. I got to make sure it's good.
0: <laughs> I see. I see. So it's, um, at, at your stage now, uh, you're doing it for other people to really teach other people anymore because it sounds like the selfishness in your game has left, right? Or the, yeah, the selfishness in your uh, even yeah in your teaching and your learning has uh, has left the building, right? It's just different now. Yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, I still I still love to learn and even like the kind of some of the flashy stuff that I do like to do. Um, I love to teach that as well. And usually that's what you find is like at the end of the night, when they're trying to mop up the mats, there I am on the side doing some, uh, rolling spinning stuff with a few of the, a few of the guys that stuck around long enough. I'm like, okay, now this is just for us to do, you know, but, Mm. uh, in the grand scheme, it's easier to not easier, but better to teach some stuff. That's a little bit more wide ranging for the other people. But I think also it was just like, whether, I mean everything kind of goes together but whether it's through jujitsu, because of jiu through life personality they're all intertwined right so it, it, they're developing together and turning you into whoever you're going to become right like it doesn't mean that every person who does jujitsu is going to be the coolest nicest person you've ever met mm-hmm. and uh uh but it just so happens that lots of times when you go to train, you meet a lot of cool, nice people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, jujitsu yeah. definitely has its effect on people. But um, I just also at the same time, I w- I was listening to a lot of podcasts and stuff like that, where you know they talk about studies on um, the differences between doing things for yourself and doing things for other people. Uh-huh. And I think it just resonated a lot with me. I don't know if maybe I was selfish when I was younger, or maybe as like when I was an MMA fighter, I was more selfish. Uh, but mm. like when I, when you're teaching and you have people that come up to you and tell you about like how much the class that you just taught helped them in their game and maybe it, you really totally fix something that they, that they struggled with for sometimes they're struggling with it for years or or even just like on their personal life on the maths, They're just like, man, I just I love coming to this class because you teach this class, um, mm. whatever mm-hmm. it is like that stuff feels so much better than like the gold medal or anything like i want a gold medal like man maybe i'll throw it on the wall at the gym or i'll <laughs> throw it in the closet at the house like you know i'm not mm-hmm. gonna i don't have a spot in my living room where i've got all my medals or something like it, it's yeah those are like really short term they feel good of course it feels good to be successful and mm-hmm. in what you're working really hard to do but it it's just like a small hit of like you know that dopamine you know like you Uh you get it and it's like it's awesome you get your little picture you put it on instagram you get a bunch of likes (laughs) good but then it's just like gone from your memory like you know Uh you might think back you might might maybe you watch some of your competition videos and you're like oh yeah that did feel really good but it doesn't resonate the same way that it does as like some like non non even non-competitor Uh, just telling you like how much you improve their day. Like that has so Mm. much more weight to it than the small successes that you did on your own, even though like they, they all go together and they all have their place to me. They just seem, that seems to resonate much deeper with me than it does even my own successes, which, you know, are still great. It's just, it doesn't feel the same as like having someone let you know how much you help them out.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I see that, uh, shift in mindset. Um, wow. So I guess you'll only be able to really experience that once you get to that, um, once you get to that level, uh, of just like, you know, like being so unselfish with, uh, your work now. And, uh, you're like, okay, well, I've learned so much. I've taken so much already. It's time for me to give back a little bit here
1: yeah for sure i mean that's the thing as well is like you can't be the white belt telling the other white belt how to do the barambolo you know (laughs) you don't want to be (laughs) that guy either so (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can't you can't not that's not for everybody it's it's a progression and where you end up and you know other people not everyone needs to be a instructor not everyone needs to own a school not everyone needs to teach classes you know like that's it doesn't have it's not set in stone that doesn't have to be your path but it doesn't mean that those same people, they would feel good if that, if they got told that stuff as well, it just might not be what their pursuit is. And Mm -hmm. I think, like I said, depending along where you are at that, uh, that's going to be different for everyone. Because I think there was times when I myself was very selfish in my training. Like, you know, I would make sure Mm -hmm. that I got, I'm going to make sure that I get to train with all the best guys. I'm going to make sure that, um, You know that I get to do the training with who I want to train with now instead, Mm. for me, if if I see everyone gets a partner, and this one person, they didn't get a partner, instead, I'm like, okay, uh, instead, you go with this person, and and I'll sit out, you know, Mm. because it's now it's just like, it's less I don't know. Maybe I just see the importance for them more so than Mm. me. Like, okay, I've done, I've done my fair share. You know, you can Uh probably get a role in or or maybe if like this one person doesn't get picked for a role the next time I'm like, okay, I'm going to make sure I pick that person because they didn't get picked last time. And you know, I want to make sure that they don't feel like no one ever picks them and -hmm. now they're not going to stick around tomorrow. Tomorrow they're going to take class and go home. Like I don't want them to miss out on training because they felt like they we're excluded at all or anything like that. So I think it's just, it's just a different spot along the path and everyone's path might be slightly different. So it doesn't mean that you're going to end up in the same spot either. You know, yeah. I, everyone's got such a different combination of um, outcomes and start points that it doesn't have to look the same for everybody.
0: I see. It's interesting that you have now that uh, perspective. Uh, however, like along your journey, you had to be selfish, right. To get to the skill level that we're up. Uh, skillable of where you are right now. So, uh, being, you know, self, uh, you know, being, you know, quote unquote selfish in those, uh, in, uh, those moments in those years of training is actually, you know, like a key part to getting very, very good because you know, like what you want to learn, you know, what you, uh, have to work on and like, there's nothing that's going to stop you from, uh, really learning it. But, yeah. to, uh, but it comes to a point now where it's like, okay, like, I see what I've learned. Now I can give back. And yeah, that's a, uh, that's an awesome. And maybe, uh,
1: and maybe you've seen those things happen before where you've seen that person who no longer comes to class anymore because they, they felt mm. uh, like they mm. were excluded. Or maybe you've seen um, those guys who, who just pick whoever they want to roll with and, and don't roll with anyone else. And, you know, and yeah. you're like, uh, I don't really like the way that looks. So I'm going to make sure that I don't, look like that even though maybe you you did before but that's just being self-reflective right which everyone should yeah. be at some point
0: yeah and about being self-reflective that happens so much in jujitsu, man
1: <laughs> yeah no kidding
0: yeah um uh, there's there's so many uh times and like i'm just i'm in the very beginning of my jujitsu journey where i'm like walking uh walking out of the gym after a you know uh hard night of, hard night of rolling and i'm just like man what happened? <laughs> and it's just like uh, <laughs> deep self-reflection, but uh, yeah, man, uh, what, what, what ways then uh, has Brazilian jitsu uh, helped you in your personal life? So
1: in my personal life, I think, I think it's for one, just helped me like calm down a lot, you know, like when I was mm. young, when I was a teenager, I was always like, Um, not, not that I had troubles getting along with people, but I was just like, so quick to react or so quick to, Mm. um, to do these other types of things. And, Mm. and I think now I'm just so much more like patient with it. Um, you know, Mm. like, let's say, let's say you get in a argument with someone, like for me, it's hard to even get in an argument anymore. I don't even want to waste the energy. (laughs) on it. I'm like, man, I got to roll tomorrow. I just came from class. Like, <laughs> hey, if that's what you think, that's what you think. It's okay. So I think it just kind of like, for me, it helped me just calm down, become patient. Because just like in jiu-jitsu, like, let's say you get in a really bad spot, you know, like maybe maybe you tried to go for an armbar on me and I stacked you up so, so tight, right? And you're just folded over with your legs in your face. It would hmm. be very easy for you to maybe panic and react and try to push your way out and use a bunch of energy. And if you don't get out, now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden things are things are really, really uncomfortable for you. Things have gotten much worse. Or maybe you tried to get out and I was able to direct your energy and you know get around your legs. And now I'm past your guard. It's even Mm -hmm. worse now. Right. Like, Like things, things were bad. You felt uncomfortable, you overreacted, and now they're worse right? Now you just mm-hmm. take that same thing there, and you take it to your to your life, right? Where maybe you had a bad day at work, and then someone said something to you, and then you overreacted. And then this person now no longer wants to be your friend, you know, mm-hmm. that's the same. It's the same kind of uh, progression, just outside of your life. So you've got to you got to learn how to be uncomfortable, you got to learn that, you know, it doesn't always go your way. And then learn how to adjust or to fix the issues you know um just the same as the jiu-jitsu once again you know you're stacked up it's better if you can be calm loose react maybe i'm gonna hook the leg and i'm gonna sweep you over top Mm. now i'm on top because i didn't overreact and instead i did the proper things at the right times and now i'm in a better position to approach the match just like in life
0: i see i see and um yeah, describe describe how you were able to use that mentality and how uh, Jiu Jitsu uh, has helped you in the toughest moments. In uh, so like, what was like the toughest moment in your career so far?
1: Um, I think the toughest moment in my career, like as far as like Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, Jiu Jitsu, martial arts, whatever. Like probably some of the toughest moments that I've had to deal with. Um, mostly came from mma also from jiu jitsu but um mma is different because there's a, there's a lot that goes into it there's very high stakes um you know like when i fought for the title i fought for the title um for unified and um, mm-hmm. i had a i had a really really tough fight it was the first time i had ever even gone out of the first round i finished so many of my other fights um mm-hmm. whether i won or i lost they were all really quick fights and i had lots and lots of success um, mm-hmm. but then I went and I had a fight that was like 25 minutes long almost and it was it was a tough fight man like it, it didn't necessarily go my way the whole time and I had my moments but it wasn't like it was not <laughs> an easy day in the office for me mm-hmm. and, uh, and like I remember the next day I think we had like a, a belt ceremony or something going on at the gym or there was some sort of event yeah. there and I went in And so many people were just like, uh, super nice to me. And, and, you know, they were just like, man, that was amazing to see you fight through all that. Like, and it was just like, oh yeah, like, no, no, no. Like these people all care about you and what you did and they don't Mm. necessarily care about the result. And if they did, if everything was about the result, then it wasn't really about your friendship anyways, you know?
0: Yeah. So I think, um,
1: it just, it just helped me. You know, be more connected to uh, people on a, on a deeper level. And, um, you know, that might be what a lot of people are missing in their life, which is why they might feel like everyone's against them or anything like that, right? Yeah. It's because they're, they're missing a deeper connection with other people because if you spend your whole life with surface level connection, um, mm. you're, you're going to end up feeling that way, right? If you just have a job where you sit at a desk and then you go home and, you don't do anything at home and you don't go outside or anything like, like you're going to feel like every person you walk by is just, you know, they just see you and didn't have any connection with you because that is what your life is like, where Mm. you go into jujitsu and you struggle together and you persevere and you're working towards a common goal. Well, now all of a sudden you have all these people around you that are helping you out. So I think just like my toughest moments were only ever came from like, athletic failures you know yeah and just realizing that it didn't it didn't not that it doesn't matter because that's not true either but that it didn't affect the way that my relationships with these people
0: were mm-hmm. approached
1: you know I, see. I think that's important
0: yeah so the community like the fight community is actually so accepting hey like it's a uh, very um it's very weird because a lot of people have the misconception that just because all these people do martial arts and all these people you know fight each and every single you know fight each and every single uh night and they train that they're uh you know like not the greatest people you know like not not the easiest people to uh, get along with but that's like complete opposite uh what do you think is why do you think people have that uh, misconception
1: i don't know (laughs) it's probably there's there's like a combination of things not everyone involved in martial arts and involved with mma is super nice just like i said earlier about not everyone just because they get a black belt does not mean that they are uh, a tremendous person you know through Mm. and through they might have good qualities but they might have bad qualities you know and uh, and everyone has their flaws it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect Hopefully it means you're better than you might have been as as far as like a personal level. I think where a lot of that stuff comes from, once again, unfortunately it's the same reason why we are as popular and successful as we are is because of things like maybe the ultimate fighter or something like that where Mm -hmm. you watch the show on TV with, they take like 16 dudes and put them in a house (laughs) and give them all this alcohol and make them fight each other and train with each other like well of course they're going to look like crazy people right Uh uh (laughs) you know yeah it doesn't matter they don't have to be mma fighters you put 16 dudes in a house of alcohol and whatever they're gonna have a crazy time you know yeah (laughs) i think like (laughs) some of that is like what most people see like you know if if even you training you might post a picture and someone's like oh you're training ufc bro it's Uh, that classic UFC bro type thing that mm -hmm. is really pretty far disconnected from most jiu-jitsu um schools and jiu-jitsu academies you know you might Mm -hmm. have like an MMA program within your school but even those people are probably not really like that it's only going to be like a very small niche group of people within the MMA and martial arts community that are even Mm -hmm. like those um kind of characters that people imagine but it was really funny when you were saying that I, it just totally reminded me of like, there's this place <laughs> that I always go and I get my haircut and uh, I always go in. And, and like, obviously I've got like, I've got some pretty serious cauliflower ears. So if I'm going <laughs> to get my haircut there, someone's asking me some sort of question about it. Like whether <laughs> they're like, oh, what what's going on? You know? And so yeah. I always end up talking to people about it and uh, all the time, the guy who's the owner, he's always like, Hey dude, you better cut this guy's hair good because if not, he's, go- he's gonna He's going <laughs> to kick your butt, man. Like, you know, he's always telling all of them that. And every time I'm just like, it's like cringy to me in my heart. I'm like, dude, yeah. like, I can promise you, you can totally screw up my haircut and I'm not going to do anything. I'll probably still <laughs> give you a tip and I'm just going to go home and probably get my girlfriend to cut the rest of my hair off or something. I don't know, but yeah. like <laughs> for sure that is not what's going to happen. But on on the flip side that might happen to you with someone who doesn't train at all because uh-huh. of that whole ego thing right but but for us like man, like that's not going to happen at all <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah definitely it seems that um when you don't train martial arts what ends up happening is more p- people have more insecurity right more uh they're more afraid to be uh, outside and more doubt in themselves uh it seems as though that martial arts or you know brazilian jiu jitsu uh, is able to counteract that. And, you know, when you're able, when you walk outside, you just walk with a little bit more confidence than some people, <laughs> you know? Yeah, same. exactly.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, and even also the realization, like a lot of people are walking around without the realization of, of, um, what, what can really happen? You know, like, mm. um, I'm not sure what, what your experiences were going into a jujitsu school, Um, like what your, what your expectations for yourself were, but I can think of a lot of different times when someone came in and they were like, maybe skeptical of, uh, some of the people there that are of a higher rank. Maybe they're, uh, maybe they're the UFC bro. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) they're the guy who's in the, (laughs) who's in the local gym doing bicep curls and hitting the heavy bag. Like, you know, (laughs) they (laughs) might be that character. And they come in and it's because they haven't realized yet what, what can actually happen to you um, against someone else. And I think that as a martial artist, and especially a jiu-jitsu practitioner, because we, we, we get taught this very early, what can actually happen is um, you can realize that you have no clue what you're talking about and you have no clue what you're doing. And you are going to get extremely tired. And you are going to probably pass out before I even have a chance to really do anything to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But, um, but I think, uh, that's just like, especially for jujitsu, that's one of the amazing things about it is because we get to do live training and you get to, you get to roll at this pace that is so close to 100, you know, Mm -hmm. 100 is not where you want to be when you're rolling with your training partners. But you can be, you can get pretty close to it. You can be around 75, 80, maybe you're training hard, it's 85. Like, you can train, you can go pretty hard with your training partners. and Everyone is happy and goes home feeling good. Yeah. Where if you train Muay Thai, um, you can't do that every day. Or else you're Uh going to be, you're going to be beat up, you know, your legs are going to be destroyed, you're going to have a concussion, you're going to be hurt a Uh lot of the time. Um, so, you know, you might even train a little bit of other martial arts, something like Muay Thai, no, not necessarily Muay Thai, but you might go in and, and hit some pads and stuff like that and have never sparred before. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh, I'm a bad dude. Now all of a sudden I, I know how to <laughs> the coach said my high kick was getting pretty high and you've never even sparred with anyone before. And you go to throw this high kick, and boom, you fall on your butt. And now, guess what? You're stuck. And you should have gone to jujitsu class because you're on bottom. Yeah. And now the guy's on top of you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's um so it's so uh crazy that n- n- uh, for my like my own experience uh before uh jujitsu I w- I was like more insecure. I was like you know like when I walk down anywhere I'm just like I can beat that guy up. I can beat that guy up. You know like things like that. Uh, but now when I walk down the street. You know, you don't know what anybody like what someone knows, right? Yeah. Like because because the goofiest characters in my uh, in my gym, they're like the best people in jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't sure. never you you would never uh, you would never expect it. So yeah, that's gotten me to the mentality of like, yeah, that person's probably like like you a have black no belt or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's kind of like the funny thing kind of to go backwards onto what we were talking about before you spoke about mm-hmm. the guys who um are like really athletic really strong and they mm-hmm. come into the jiu- to gym and so often you know one month later they're they're done and what what i think that often happens is you know those guys go and they do they do okay you know mm-hmm. they they're strong enough to kind of withstand some of the submissions or or attempts from from some of the people they're training with obviously not like the best guys there but you know some of the the mid-range people They're they're able to do Mm -hmm. maybe they even submitted a couple of the other white belts maybe they even god forbid submitted one of the blue belts you know And, (laughs) and um and they don't have the same feeling of feeling the success that the person does who maybe they went in and they had very, very limited success. Like, you know, they every every role, it didn't matter who it was. Um, every role was extremely tough for them. And then they got a little bit better in a short period of time and they felt the success. Where mm. the guy who's already beating some of the people on, on his free week trial, man, like, he doesn't have the same, he doesn't have the same success ratio. Like, he's not going to mm. feel it as soon because he's not feeling the improvements. And that's one of those things that's kind of like why you can't compare yourself to other people, right?
0: Yeah, I see, definitely. Yeah, going back full circle, that really is, uh, that really is the case. Um, I read this book, it's called Outliers by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Have you heard that book before? I have heard and, of it,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, and it kind of describes the same thing with this phenomenon on, um, on the hockey players that turn pro. Usually it's the players that are born, uh, in the months of uh, January to March. And it's not because there's something magical about, you know, like those, uh, months it's because of the cutoff date for, uh, for little kids hockey is like, uh, on like January and March. So like the kids that, uh, the kids that are born uh, on those uh, days are usually bigger kids. So they get a lot more, they get a lot more praise throughout their career and that, uh, they develop into better hockey players. So um, if you look at the best players, uh, hockey players in the world, most of them, their birthdays are in January, February and March. And again, it's just because they progress so much more because of the praise that they got in the very beginning and the progress that they were told they were getting uh, versus the kid that came in and he was like, you know, smaller than all these other big kids. Uh, he was he was told that, you know, oh, you're old, you know, you're older and you're shorter and you have so many of these uh, things that are going against you that it discourages them from uh becoming uh, becoming better, so that's a very that's a very interesting point that you uh, have put out. Okay, so man, now you just opened up a gym. Uh, describe the moment in your life when you decided to really dedicate uh, yourself to teach others Brazilian Jiu Jitsu full time.
1: So I can remember, like as a blue belt, telling people, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you can say, whatever you want, it doesn't mean anything until you do it, right? Uh But I remember telling people when I was a blue belt, I'm going to open up a jiu-jitsu school in my hometown, you know? Mm -hmm. I remember before I even started training, I was telling people, I'm going to be a professional MMA fighter. And people were always (laughs) like, dude, you don't even train. Like, how are you going to be a professional MMA fighter? And I was like, I don't Mm -hmm. care. I'm going to do it. Started training, started fighting, had my successes, had my failures, did my thing.
2: Uh
1: Um, Same with jiu-jitsu. I started jiu-jitsu. I remember telling people, I'm going to, I'm going to open up a school and I'm going to teach jujitsu. And, uh, and I wasn't even nearly in a position to do it yet. So I think it was just like my love for the sport. I always knew that that's kind of where I wanted to go. And I also, like I said, I started teaching even as like a purple belt. So, um, it wasn't like something unreasonable. It didn't seem unreasonable to me. It didn't seem unattainable. Also Mm -hmm. like in our school, um, We had kind of, we had some, some black belts there that, you know, they didn't get along with some of the owners or whatever. And, and they ended up parting ways and Mm. my instructor, um, took over teaching at the school. They were like, we could bring in another black belt or we can kind of invest in, uh, our, our instructor here getting better and Mm. just keep him here. And he was a purple belt at the time. And Mm -hmm. I was a blue belt at the time. So, I mean, he was only one belt level ahead of me. It didn't seem Mm. unreasonable to get to my purple belt. And he was already teaching all of the jiu jitsu classes now.
2: Mm -hmm. So, to me,
1: it didn't seem so unobtainable. Where I think, like, maybe if you enter the school as a white belt and the person's a black belt, it it seems so far removed. It doesn't even seem like it could be a possibility to you until you're so much further along in your belt progression. So, I Mm -hmm. think knowing that and seeing how well he did and how how successful our school became. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think that just like, it made it seem so, so much more possible to me. You know, and I I still had a lot of people tell me like, Oh, this is, it's not going to be for you. You're going to have to just like teach little kids classes. It's going to be like a daycare and you know, you're not going to get to do the Mm -hmm. things you want to do and you're going to have to just run books and, do all these things that you don't want to do. But I was like, man, like, like my love for jujitsu is too strong. There's no way, there's no mm-hmm. way I'm going to live my whole life going to do a job that I don't necessarily want to do. Just waiting, mm-hmm. waking up being like, oh, okay. I have this many hours to I get to go to jujitsu. There's no way mm-hmm. I'm going to live my whole life that way. I'm going to make it so jujitsu is my life because that's what it, that's what it is. Like, that's what I do. That's, uh, I wake up. I go to bed thinking about the same things, you know. Um, so there was there was just no possible way that that wasn't going to be the the route that I was going to take. I, I uh-huh. knew I knew early on that uh, that that's what I wanted to do. I see, I see,
0: yeah. So it's like it's a goal that you know you, that you want to attain. Like when you look at the frame of like your eighty year old self, right? One of the things that you would probably look at is. Uh, or the decisions that you would be most proud of is like opening up that school and making sure, you know, you took that chance on yourself to open it, not being scared about, you know, like, you know, do <laughs> like doing taxes, writing books, you know, um, you, know teach, you know, teaching you uh, know, teaching little kids, having a daycare and all these things. Um, it's, it's, it's part of it, right? So it seems like that is like, you know, the passion that is burning within you and you just need You know, you're, you're being your truest self in a sense, right? For sure. Yeah. So what would be your advice? You know, some people are, are, you know, watching this podcast, you know, they're they're in Spruce Grove and all that. um, And, you know, they're, they're, they can't do this part of the podcast. So what would your advice be to someone who's thinking about doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Who's joke passed by the gym a couple of times is like, keep on looking at it. Cause for me, it took me like really like a year, two years to really step in and commit myself. What would be your advice to someone who's thinking about doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? My
1: my advice to someone who who wants to start training Jiu Jitsu, um, you know, whether like it's kind of hard for people that like don't really have any interest to, to like speak to them um, mm-hmm. on on the importances of it. You know, there's kind of got to be a, there's got to be a little spark there. So I'm, you you got to be interested. Like you said, you drove by it, but you've seen it. You it caught your eye. You're thinking about going. Thinking about going. For those people, what I would suggest to them is to, one, almost every single jiu-jitsu school, they they do or they should have some sort of free trial, right? Mm-hmm. Go and do a free trial and then go and do a free trial at another gym and another, one, and another one and and travel around and try a bunch of different ones and find find a group of people that you gel with really well. You, you really enjoy training with them because...
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, any, any school you go into, especially as a white belt, like the instructor is going to seem really good. Everyone there is going to seem really good because, and you're, and you're going to learn a lot because, um, it's something that you have no clue about, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's easy to learn something that you have nothing, no clue about, right? Like it's hard to master Mm -hmm. it, but it's easy to learn about it. Right. Yeah. So you are going to learn no matter where you go. So make sure you find a a good group of people, people that you like people that you get along with you. Because if you end up in a place where you don't feel um, very connected to the group, it might, it might give you a bad taste of what that actually Mm. is. Right. Where the jujitsu is, you're still going to learn. And then maybe like down the road, you might change your mind, right? You might want to train somewhere else later down the road maybe you realize like hey this is fun but I really want to compete there's a school that's more uh inclined to competition or maybe the opposite maybe you're like I don't really want to compete and this school is all about competing I want to go somewhere else um mm-hmm. you might need to find exactly what it is that's for you later on but at first I would say like find a group of people that that you work well with that that you guys kind of just get along it'll just make your training so much better if you go in and not only do you not like your training partner, but also he's just like kicking your butt every day, every day he's choking you. Like, it's not going to be fun and it's going to give you, um, you're going to have like bad feelings toward it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's important. First thing is to like, go and find your group, find your group and then commit to yourself. Like I said, that whole, you got the ticket, go for the ride, you know, like, like ride that out that one year. If, if you go and you do your one year, but there was three months of it that you didn't really train that doesn't count, you know, Mm -hmm. go commit to yourself and, and, and do that full year around that time. And then maybe like readdress it. Don't give yourself the easy out. Don't go and be like, Hey, uh, it's been fun. I've been learning, but, uh, you know, I just, I like to go to the movies on Wednesdays instead, you know, like don't, Uh. don't give yourself an easy out, commit to it, Mm -hmm. commit to yourself. You know, you don't have to worry about what other people think, anything like that. Just commit to yourself X amount of times a week, go do that. Next thing I would say is like, this goes along with finding the right people, but trust those people, trust your professors. You know, you see a lot of people that go in and these are kind of like the students that are, whatever. You're, they're not your favorite students. And they're like, mm-hmm. they want to question you all the time. They want to, Hey, is this really the name for this sweep? Because I seen it on YouTube <laughs> and someone called it a different name. I don't think you know what you're talking about because it might just go by a different name for this person. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. trust your professors, let them, let them give them the opportunity to teach you. Don't question everything too much off the start. You don't know what you don't know. Just let them show you a little bit. maybe. Maybe there's a technique that you've seen that you're like, why wouldn't I just do this? And there might be a total legitimate reason why he didn't show you that specific technique yet. Maybe it just wasn't on today's lesson plan. Maybe that's on Thursday's lesson plan. He's going to show mm. you this instead. Right. So like, just trust them. They're, they're This is their life. This is what they put all their time into. This is why they opened up a school. Like, trust your professors. Trust that they have your best interest in mind trust that the techniques that they're teaching you are legitimate and you know hopefully hopefully that trust is granted like hopefully you know they reciprocate it by giving you the proper instruction right but if you go in there so skeptical and so questioning everything like that it's like going to watch a movie and being like no no these are actors you know like (laughs) <laughs> you're going to you're going to ruin it for yourself like uh-huh. you know you, like just sit down and enjoy it you know like trust uh-huh. trust the process trust the people around you don't watch too much youtube watch a little bit of youtube find some find some good videos but don't spend all your time on youtube spend all your time on the mats instead because uh-huh. you're not going to remember it anyways you're just going to flood your mind so watch a little bit of youtube spark your interest but Make sure you trust your professors, the people who are on the mats with you here, because this is where you're really going to learn. Even if you remember the technique, you're going to need to drill it 10 times at the school at Mm -hmm. least. So it's the time on the mats. You need to be there. You need to be in the gym with your training partners, practicing the techniques, trying them live, going back, troubleshooting them, doing them again. Mm. You can't overload your mind too much.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um at this at this point man what was the most memorable moment so far since practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu
1: It's got to be getting the black belt you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh it's everybody's dream everybody's chasing that um you know like I said there's all the different little athletic successes along the way but you mm-hmm. know getting that black belt being recognized um, for the work that you did is is just such an amazing feeling. So for me, definitely achieving my black belt uh was mm. you know, um, it was definitely like the biggest part of my my career. Um, and it's yeah. just something that uh, some people uh, like obsess over it. Other people don't think about it at all. But even it doesn't matter which side of it you're on, everybody wants it. You know, everybody wants yeah. to get to the black belt. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I heard you uh, got, actually got your black belt from uh, Master Carlos Gracie. He was the one who gave it to you.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I was lucky enough to get my black belt at the Gracie Ball World Summit in uh-huh. 2019. And so it was, it was a huge event. Um, there was, uh, you know, they did the black belt promotions on the final day. It was mm-hmm. awesome. It was a really, really cool experience. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you know how you always do a speech when you get your black belt, like... <laughs> It was like, I'm at the World Summit, so you're there, you have, like, your instructors, Master Carlos, they give you the black belt, they give you a microphone, there's, like, hundreds of people there, you're like, Mm -hmm. Jesus, like, I don't know, like, I remember when I was sitting on the side of the mat, watching everybody get their black belt, I was like, dude, why is this guy stumbling all over his words, like, you know, I know what I'm gonna say when I get up there, (laughs) <laughs> then you get up there and you're like, ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, uh, it was a really, really cool experience. I'm super thankful for it. Um, it was, it was definitely one of the biggest moments in not only my jiu-jitsu career, but obviously my life.
0: Wow, man, that is so awesome. That is so awesome. And, uh, last uh, question here, you touched up on this question already, but what is your advice to new white belts? You know, they, they finally, they finally got the courage to, uh, come to the gym they signed that paper and um now they're uh now they're a member what's what's your advice to new white belts
1: yeah so like i said it kind of goes along the same lines of uh committing to yourself trusting the people around you but also as a white belt you know make sure you take care of yourself you know there's nothing worse than the the white belt who who gets like a really bad injury or something like that you know all all your training partners are always going to be like oh it doesn't matter you know you have a torn labrum, it's all good, bro, just put some tape (laughs) on it, you know, but try to really take care of yourself, because, you know, um, jiu-jitsu is gonna be with you for a long time, it's gonna come and go, you need to be committed to yourself, but you also need to take care of yourself on your health Mm -hmm. level as well, like, jiu-jitsu is amazing, you're gonna get stronger, you're gonna get fitter, you're gonna get more flexible, you're gonna gain all these amazing attributes, but don't let Um, like a small injury or something like that, turn into something worse than it has to be. Take care Mm -hmm. of yourself because um, more than a bad instructor or bad training partners, or even a bad student, less than you not paying attention when, when the guy's showing the techniques, the thing that's going to hold you back from learning the most is being injured. So take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Take care of your training partners because, um, you don't want to be the guy who maybe accidentally hurts someone, and, and you hold them back from learning. Instead, you want to come up together, right? Rising yeah. tide raises all boats.
0: One hundred percent. All right, Professor Mikey, thank you so much for uh, coming to this uh, podcast. And lastly, here, uh, when where can where can people find your school? And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about it.
1: For sure. Yeah, we're in the uh, Spruce Grove um, in a brand new, nice cool area um Spruce Grove for people who don't know is a small little uh city outside of Edmonton and, and uh it's just exploding it's getting bigger every day there's construction every which way I go I can't get out of the city without going through construction mm-hmm. it's getting so big and uh we have a really cool location opening up and um you guys can check us out on Instagram black gold underscore jujitsu um we're posting lots of stuff on there lots of content and um we're we're so so excited i i cannot wait to be in the school teaching jujitsu. um so yeah uh, it's it's going to be big we're going to we're going to shake up the game a little bit for sure um we can't wait to be a part of it i can't wait like you know just to be in the school teaching i i'm so excited i'm so excited we're doing all the construction ourselves like laying the mats down like every day there's something exciting that we're working towards and it's all towards this big huge grand goal and i just I can't wait to see the future, what, what it holds for us and, and for our, you know, not, not like necessarily us as a me, but us as our team, mm-hmm. you know, like our community, what, what we're going to be able to have our impact. At. You know, when I grew up out here, I grew up even further outside of the city than Spruce Grove. Um, but I, I had no, there wasn't a place to train. People always say like, Hey, I wish I'd start training when I was younger. Man, there was nowhere for us to train. I couldn't start training Mm -hmm. until I was 16 because I needed a car to drive to St. Albert and then I needed to drive to the West End and drive all over the place. I would spend over 30 minutes every day driving into the city, 30 minutes back the other way. I was driving all over the place. So to be able to now bring this back to my hometown and have this here for, you know, kids that were in my same position, you know, needed a, a outlet, needed somewhere to go train, mm-hmm. giving that to them, somewhere for families to come have their kids train, them train as well, uh, to be there for people to feel more comfortable walking down the street, for people to be there to get more healthy uh, for everyone. You know, it's just going to be such an amazing journey. And uh, we're just at, you know, such beginning stage that it uh, it's just so exciting to see where it's going to go next.
0: Man, I'm so excited for you, brother. And congratulations um, on the new gym. It's going to be a crazy, crazy ride. For sure, yeah. for sure, man. So everybody, I'm going to be putting the the information down in the description below. Make sure you check it out. Black Gold uh, Jiu-Jitsu. So, all right, that wraps up podcast number six. If you enjoyed this podcast and inspired you to keep training or start training, make sure you like, share, and subscribe so that you don't miss out on more stories of individuals do jujitsu and we'll see you on the mat see you man thank you